Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm your host, Scott Livingston, and this is where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page, Scott G. Livingston. My goal is to empower and inspire a community of people who take every opportunity to live a high-performing life. I want to take a moment to really shout out and say thank you to our most important sponsor, MatrixFitness.com. Uh, Greg Lawler agreed numerous years ago now to support this podcast and to make it what it is today. And he is representative of a corporate culture at Matrix Fitness that is really all about serving the customer and making sure you get what it is you need to do the things you need to do, whether that's serving uh, an entire organization or team or a single individual, building a performance facility, uh, taking care of yourself and your own home fitness needs. MatrixFitness.com does it all, and they are a global company worldwide. You can get any solution you need for your um, product needs, as well as consulting on building your own facility or a facility for your organization. So I can't recommend them enough. I appreciate everything they've done for Leave Your Mark. And I want this community to support what is our greatest sponsor, MatrixFitness.com. Head over to their site today and see what it is that they have and how they might be able to solve any problem you might have. Those of you who are longtime listeners might have recognized that I started uh, the Leave Your Mic Life Lab not too long ago. We're now almost three months into our program, doing some really great work with some great people in the industry. This is really, if you're in the human performance industry and you're looking for support, uh, counsel, mentorship, and direction in your career and life and living the best life possible... Uh, avoiding burnout and enjoying the work that you do. That This lab is uh, designed for you. Uh, I am doing my best to steward a great group of people. And if you want to know more about the program, we will be opening another cohort in the not-too-distant future. So head over to lymlab.com today. Check out the podcast. You can get your latest episodes of the Leave Your Mark podcast there. You can get a free download source for a couple of uh, videos uh, that I've done on just getting started in this process and take a look on the uh, Life Lab page at what we get into in our program and how it's all set up. Would love to have uh, new people involved. Uh, the people who are in it are really loving it. and I'm loving the work too and the connection. So keep an eye out for it, check out what we're doing, check out the latest podcast, and of course, if you want an LYM cap, that's something you can get on the page as well. So head over there, get yourself an LYM cap, and uh, support the podcast. And at the very least, do me a favor and uh, you know rate it, share it, uh, connect, and even leave a comment on your favorite streaming source. Take care. My biggest sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com, is also a company near and dear to my heart. 
This is something I believe in, my wife Jamie believes in, we believe in our mission, which is to really change the culture and and the way we do human performance, bringing the worlds of therapy and performance together into one critically successful process that uh, really transcends uh, the narratives of both areas and cultures and brings them together in one operating system and one common language of practice. And the other thing that it does is it's underpinned by applied neurology and the whole neurological system is what runs our body. And we've spent some time this last two years really bringing in some of the most uh, important and latest concepts in applied neurology to the programming so that we really put the head back on the body in terms of training. And so the things we're doing are just so powerful right now. And people are talking about it. Uh, you know, people who are doing the programming are just recognizing how it's changing their practice. And we're hoping that more of you will join us, will join the reconditioning revolution. We now have our R1 foundations and R2 designs completely online. You can uh, digest all the information at your leisure. And then we have eight-week labs once a week for an hour uh, over an eight-week period. We rotate through these throughout the year. So our next R1 foundations is this September. We are starting in R2 designs very soon. We would love to have people involved with what we're doing. And we also are doing special live event sessions. Uh, We have an R1 Foundations live event that is going to be kicking up in September as well. We also have our R3 Collab, which is a special live event where we bring together everything we do in R1 and R2, along with more applied neurology around how the cerebellum cortex and brainstem affect movement and function. And so all of that comes together in an outstanding course, and we have one this September 24-25 in Montreal. Would love to have people there if you've gone through our program R1 and R2. Want to get more and more people doing this because it's changing the way people support uh, athletic and human performance in general. So would love to help you be the best practitioner possible. If you're interested, head over to reconditioninghq.com today and check out what we're doing and check out our next offerings. Take care. Now that we've taken care of those that take care of us, on to the podcast. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm your host, Scott Livingston, and today I have the opportunity to speak with Carlos Balsobre Fernandez. Carlos is a professor of sports science teaching biomechanics and sports technology at the Autonomous University of Madrid. He's also a self-taught iOS developer of MyJump app, which is a unique application that allows you to video various jump tests and derive important data points for performance analysis. He often speaks around the world at performance events and workshops about performance monitoring, strength testing, and technology implications in performance. He's also a researcher and author of 40-plus peer-reviewed scientific publications. I met him several years ago at an event hosted by David Martin of the Philadelphia 76ers and loved hearing about his work. And above all his accomplishments, he is also the proud father of uh, several children, I believe, awaiting the arrival of our third little one. So if I understand correctly the way you wrote yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. We, we had already three. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yeah. pleased to have him on the show today. Welcome, Carlos. Thank you very much, Scott. 
Yeah. When when is your third supposed to arrive, or has it just arrived? No, no, it it it, it already arrived. Okay, yeah, okay, it, cool. Yeah, but very he, very shortly, he, not long. Yeah, ago. yeah. yeah okay. he, he, he has a few months. <laughs> just just a few months old. That, that's that's the tired look on the eyes. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is this is you, you know my default state. Since 2016, when my first one was born, <laughs> but not, all, all good here, all good. Yeah, I always loved a friend of mine said a long time ago that uh, when you have you go from two kids to three kids, you go from man to man to zone coverage. <laughs> exactly. exactly. They, they are more than us. <laughs> exactly. So tell me, um, you are you from Madrid or did, did you, is that where you grew up? Yeah. Yeah, okay. born and raised. Yeah, what a beautiful city! I had the pleasure of going there um, probably twelve years ago now with a diver um, that mm -hmm. I was working with, and it's the architecture there is just phenomenal. It's a beautiful city. What yeah. was it like to grow up yeah. there? Was it was uh, what were you dreaming about being when you were a little boy in in Madrid? Well, actually, it's such a big city. At least here in in Spain, of course, it's not the biggest city in in the world. But for us, it's a very big uh, uh, city and one place where you could think about pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there were no no limitations about about what would you be when you grow up. Mm. So a lot of photo opportunities uh, here, you know, in both in education and uh, you know in employees, etc. For example, in in the field of sports science, uh, just in Madrid we have like um, nine universities mm. teaching sports science. So really? in our in yeah yeah it's 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 massive. Mm. So. Mm, you know, in the field of sports science, it's kind of a, a good city to be if you mm. live in in Spain. So I'm I'm very happy wow. to be here. To be honest, and what were what were your parents doing when you were growing up that uh, influenced you? What 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 did your were both of them work working, or did your father work and your mom not? What what was your life like growing up? Yeah, they they were both working. Mm. Um, one thing I I believe that in, influenced me the most was that my my father especially has, you know, his um, you know his priorities very mm. straight. Mm. It's very it's very common, you know, especially in in this this kind of you know late eighties nineties here in 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 Spain. Well, pretty much everywhere in the world, right? But in in the eighties, etc., here in Spain, it was very typical that the you know the the father would work a lot mm. from day to to evening, and the mother would be the you know the the housewife, mm. and the, that was not our case. They were both working, but my my father had the opportunity to you know to promote to a very big position. He worked; he used to work on on a bank, but but decided to not promote and to stay at home uh, with us. So mm. he only worked a few hours in the in the morning, mm. and in the evening it was all time with us because my mother was working in the 
you know, in the afternoon. So mm. they, they were not very synced. They were not <laughs> lucky because he was working in the morning uh, and she was working in the afternoon. So they didn't saw each other much, but <laughs> yeah, but they, they were sure that they would take care of, uh, of us uh, very, 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 you know, very well. So, yeah. so you have brothers and sisters or just, I have one, one brother. Okay, cool. And so were you uh, more of an academic kid or more of a sport kid or both? And what were you most attracted to doing as you were growing up? Well, in my early years, I would say that I will be more like an academic kid. Mm. Although I always love, uh, you know, sports, uh, etc. But it was not until I was 14 mm. years mm. Uh, when I started uh, doing some karate okay. here at a school near my my place and that was what really you know hooked me to the to you know to the sports and strength and conditioning field mm-hmm. because my you know my karate master was um a former firefighter mm-hmm. and he he loved you know very strong guy he loved to lift weights mm-hmm. and he he taught me to you know to to lift weights had to and to train the weight room since I was you know very very young like mm. fourteen or or fifteen and I started to to love that mm. that strength training uh, field oh, wow and was that what attracted you to like is is that what pushed you into what you've gone into educationally or did you just dis- how did you discover sports science in essence and, and your interest in it well i, I will say accidentally maybe mm, because okay. i i well i started doing karate at 14 as i told you before um but in my academic side i always be uh, like a number guy mm. i loved maths and physics and things like that and I actually started uh, a bachelor's degree in in maths. Mm. Uh, it was called mathematical science here in 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 Madrid. But to be honest, I was not as good as I was thinking. <laughs> it, it was harder than I thought. Yeah. Um, I I kind of wouldn't see the real world application of what I was learning at uh, at at college mm. uh, a lot of formulas and equation not even numbers just mm. you know x equals to a plus b and things like that um, <laughs> you lost no, I, me already <laughs> <laughs> it was difficult I, I i was good at high school but in the university level it, it was a completely different story and um i'm not saying at all that maths are not useful because thanks to my education in maths is how I was able to learn to write my own iPhone applications and right. that completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm very proud to to have made that you know that decision. Mm-hmm. But I I you know I endured like one year and a half and then in the meantime I, I kept doing karate in, in a more serious way mm-hmm. and my karate master um 
since he saw me, you know, like hesitating with my education at the university, etc., he told me, Carlos, you look like a sports science guy. Why don't you study sports science? <laughs> and I say, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Let's let's give a chance. So, you look like a sports science guy. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because to be honest, I I didn't I didn't know what sports science was at all. Right. Because I here in in Spain, sports science is not like a, an old um, you know degree or an mm -hmm. old profession. Mm -hmm. Until the late nineties, here mm -hmm. you could mm -hmm. only study in universities physical education. So okay. I. I was thinking that that uh, bachelor degree was all about, you know, being a PE teacher, mm. and I didn't, I didn't want to be a PE teacher. Right. I, I have huge respect for PE teachers, but that is not for me. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I learned that, no, you in in sports science degrees, you learn biomechanics and anatomy and exercise physiology and statistics and things like that. Then I I decided to to give it a chance and I I fell in love with it. That's awesome. Tell me about doing karate. Is it is karate something you still do in your life? You still practice in no, your life no. now? No. No. What did, I, what, I quit. Okay, but what did it teach you when you did it? What what did what did you take away most from from having applied yourself in a, in a martial art? I think that. Mm, the most important thing I learned in in karate was the you know the the master or, or teacher student uh, relationship. Mm. Uh, our our teacher he he sadly passed away a few years ago. Mm. He was like a you know a relationship master. Mm. It was it it's not like he was the you know the the best karate expert in the world. He was mm. pretty good. Mm. But I had the chance to move to another, you know, coach who was training to in the high performance center in in Madrid and with some guys that eventually uh, went to world championships, championships and things like that. But uh, he was such a nice person and mm. treating us very very well and. I don't know. I I have a a very good memory mm. of that of that time. I I left uh, karate because well, several things happened at, at that time. He moved to another gym, not so close to to my place, and I started being serious with sports science and and researching, etc. Um, but I I always feel like. Uh, you know, uh, karateka, mm. because he he talked that that uh, you know that karate and eventually every sport you do with the passion is you know for life. So I'm not practicing karate anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, well, actually, my my oldest she has six years old. Mm. Uh, she will start doing karate this mm. semester at the school. His mm. first. His first uh, time with with karate, so who knows? Maybe who knows? Maybe I, Dad will get sucked back into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I still have in, in you know in in my garage, uh, you know my karate gi and my belts. Mm -hmm. So may, maybe it's time mm -hmm. to return. When you say he was a relationship 
master, so to speak, what, tell me two or three attributes uh, that you noticed in him that maybe you absorbed or valued or you valued in his ability to communicate and, and connect with you that made that so, so powerful for you. Look, he was so, he was just so nice mm. that at, at some moments it, it could get a bit annoying to be honest, <laughs> because maybe you, you, you went uh, from the gym to, I don't know, to, to a restaurant to, to have dinner with the rest of the team, etc. That was like a 15 minutes walk away. And you will take like 40 minutes to arrive because he was stopping at every, you know, market or at, at every store in the, in our hometown because everybody knew him. Everybody wanted to ask him if he, if he was okay and to share stories. He was such a nice, guy, a nice guy that wanted to be connected with everyone and he cared for, for everyone. And that kind of, you know, yeah, that, that kindness it was, was something, something powerful that kept our group very, very, you know, very close. Yeah, that's a nice message. What did you, so you discover sports science, um, circuitously. What, what do you fall in love with in sports science? What is it that catches you once you, cause you didn't really know a lot about what it was before you got into it. So once you get into it, what do you, what do you fall in love with or get excited about? Yes. As I say, I was like a maths guy or science guy. I just didn't know that you could apply strong scientific principles to, mm -hmm. to training because to me, my, my experience in training was in a karate dojo with very old Japanese, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, practice because my master's master was a very famous Japanese, uh, you know, coach mm. uh, in Okinawa. So uh, I loved it, training karate with that uh, style, this old classic oriental Japanese style, but it was not scientific at all. Mm. And some people improved it. Uh, some people did not improve that much. We all loved the practice, but... I had the feeling that we were not, you know, improving as much as we could do. Mm. And in, you know, in the sports science um, classes I took, I understand how and why and with, with which uh, technologies you could, you know, apply those sports science principles to, to get the optimum of, of the, your physical performance. Mm. So as you're going through your, your program and you said that sports science uh, programs didn't start until I believe you mentioned the late nineties in Spain. Yeah. So yeah. obviously you're going to school and the programs are kind of figuring themselves out in some sense. So um, what are the external influences that are driving your interest in this? Like who in the world is kind of inspiring you to move forward in what you're doing and, that in those early stages of your career kind of um, yeah you you looked at and said this is where i want to go or this is what i want to head towards yeah you raise a, a very good point because still now the the sports science degree here in spain is four years of of education at the university 
and you have four areas. You you have to to learn uh, from four main topics. So one is training, another one is physical education, another one is um, sports management, and the other one is you know health uh, and exercise uh, for health. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my case, I was very interested in the uh, training. Um, and sports uh, area, so I will need to, um, you know, to to learn from from different uh, sources like self-taught in, mm-hmm. in many areas that weren't covered at uh, the university because the the education in sports science at the university was very basic. Mm. So different, different, uh, first different uh, national authors here mm-hmm. in Spain. There was like uh, a few relevant uh, personalities here. Um, people like, um, maybe you, you don't know them because they are Spanish, you know, coaches and researchers, but people like uh, Vadillo, or Julio Toes, he's still working in professional soccer. Mm. They were people from my country that I saw in different conferences that were for me top researchers and and top coaches. So I started uh, reading their books and attending to conferences. So basically, my main influences were at at conferences and um, scientific uh, journals, etc. There were no social media at that time, or it was starting. So you couldn't go to places like Twitter or things like that to know people. Mm. Uh, it was mostly, yes, national mm. conferences and some books I could find at my university library and things like that. Mm. I'm interested, actually, in, um, like, I see Spain not dissimilar to Canada, where I'm from, where you have kind of this um, almost uh, culturally biased connection to the sport of, as you guys call football versus mm-hmm. we call it soccer. And it's such a thread of the culture of of who you are as as a nationality, et cetera, and your sport of interest. But there mm-hmm. are a few other sports that seem to have, have created great um, expression in Spain, like tennis and basketball. And so as you're go- growing up in sports science, is there a, a biased influence towards you, you, you know, if you want to have a career in sports science, because in Canada, the the biased influence is if you want to have a career in sports science, you probably have to have sort of a hockey alignment in some sense. Um, not necessarily now. It's changed over time. And certainly not unlike your country, we have some strength in tennis and we have some strength in some other sports. But um just curious, were you were you pulled towards that or or did you push away from it? What was what was that influence uh, of of soccer or football uh in your you know growth as a sports scientist there? Yeah, well, not very big, to be honest. Okay. Of course, okay. of course I, I I love football. We love football. Mm-hmm. I'm a Real Madrid supporter, by the way. Um 
Uh, yeah, it's always easy to be supported from those who almost always win, right? <laughs> but uh, but no, yeah, yeah. Seriously, I, it's just my my humble opinion, and I might not be right. But my advice always to a student is not be attracted for that sport that you think that will give you more money, because mm. if or if you are only pulled by the, you know, or attracted by by money, it's very complicated that you will end in a top team or a top club. Because if 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 money is your only or your main priority, um, that's a problem. Because mm-hmm. even even here with top clubs, I know a lot of people working in in top clubs. And by the way, people like like Rob from Sportsmith has conducted some cool, uh, you know, surveys on how much people earn in professional sports, and it, it's not that much. Mm. It's not that much. Of course, football is where you could earn the most here, mm-hmm. but I I wouldn't advise people to. Uh, you know, study sports science to focus in in football because it's very difficult that you end in a top club and winning a lot of money. Maybe if you if you just go open minded, because the problem of being biased is that you just um, you know educate yourself and go to conference and read books on that topic. And mm. for example, if you are very focused or attracted by soccer, thinking that you will earn there more money, you will only or most likely, you know, attend to conference and read books and papers on soccer. And mm. you will miss another very important part of, of performance. And I will say that just go where you had the opportunity to go. Mm. If you like soccer, but you have the chance to go to track and field, don't you know don't don't close that door because mm. maybe in the future you will use those things you learn from track and field in soccer so mm. for example uh, my you know my first contact with pro- professional sport was with with track and field with middle and long distance runner mm. which was very different from karate and very different from soccer or from you know teams at uh, at NBA etc and i i i still have very good friends in in track and fields and and olympic athletes i'm still consulting from from that team i met back in the day so yeah that that will be my my advice don't don't be biased by by the sport because even if if football or soccer here is very big it's probably more more easy for you to have a good career in another sport than mm-hmm. in in soccer. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, as you're moving through your degree process, when when do you get fully hooked into it, and what is it that hooks you? Is it the um, figuring problem solving? Is it tr- trying to figure out? You, is it your mathematical mind uh, in, and that's kind of inspiring you to move through this or or some other part of you that's moving you through and deciding this is really what I want to do in my life for the rest of my life? Yeah, when I, when I was like in my second year, 
in the at at the university, I had a good uh, a good uh, teacher that ended up being my PhD supervisor, mm. um, who was talking at that day statistics, and uh, and yes, he he kind of uh, encouraged me to start uh, doing some basic research. I never thought that was for me, or at least not for a second grade student. So I thought you needed to have a PhD to be allowed to enter the labs and things like that. Mm-hmm. But no, this this guy was very, very open with me. And, and we did a very simple study, a very simple one. Uh, it was in 2013, I believe, in which we compared... Uh, a slow motion camera we we had in the lab um, with this uh, opto jump platform, you know, an infrared platform mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to measure jumps, and we compared the data. Basically, for a it was like a practice to learn statistics, what a correlation is, what a validation uh, processes, and things like that. But the numbers were good and the data was solid, so we decided to publish it. And it was my my first, um, you know, my my first scientific uh, publication in the Journal mm-hmm. of Strength and Conditioning Research. And so, I don't know. I I had the feeling that I was good at it, mm. uh, that I have an environment with people like like this, this supervisor of mine that were really supportive with me and helped me a, a lot, they encouraged me to to go uh, down this path, you know? Mm-hmm. So I started doing more and more and more research and eventually that research merged with uh, my developer side. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, yeah, tell that story. So how <laughs> I'm fascinated how you, like even think it's possible to create an, uh, an app yeah. <laughs> and then, and then somehow you create some buzz around this app. And uh, I'm really yeah. curious about that story. So how, how did, how did that all kind of come together? Well, it was, it was a timing, I, I believe, because by, by the time I was doing this uh, slow motion versus uh, jump platform comparison, the first iPhone with a slow motion camera was released. Mm. So, so I thought, okay, uh, we, we just proved that with a slow motion video and then analyzing the video with a software in a computer, etc., you can analyze jumps. And now we have that video in the phone. Why has no one created an app for that <laughs> and i kept and i kept looking and looking and no one had, no one had that kind of app so so i say okay why don't do it myself so um i think i was uh, very inspired if that's the word with my environment at my university because during my early years uh, at the university and then with my PhD uh, studies, etc., I I was like a bit frustrated because my university still had that tradition from physical education. So we, for example, until these days, right now, we don't have force platform 
in our lab. We wow. don't, we lack of, you know, uh, basic uh, sports science equipment, mm. but that which was and can be in some moments uh, frustrating was actually a big inspiration because if I had all jump platforms and force platforms on in the world, maybe I never thought about mm. we need a solution, an alternative right. for people who don't have access to that. And I, I know a lot of uh, people over the years, maybe we can talk about that later in the in the podcast, that has criticized my job and my apps and things like that uh, because they have all the, keep and the equipment in the, in the world, a lot of uh, force platforms and things like that. And yeah, maybe for people who has like 10K dollars in force platforms worth in their lab, it's not a problem to not have a, a force platform. But mm -hmm. for me, it was. So the timing was perfect. Mm. I had the need because I couldn't, uh, you know, borrow force platform for, from my lab because mm. we we didn't have uh, force platforms. So then I put all those pieces together and I say, okay, something needs to be done here because I can't be the only guy in the world with this problem. I'm sure yeah, I'm sure a lot of people want to do things right and right. measure performance but yeah. don't have the the opportunity because they are not in a big institution or because they are in a poor country um so I decided to go that way and mm. using well yeah let's maybe call it my mathematical mind it's mm. just like I I was not a programmer I never Mm, took programming lessons mm. but it's true that I was not afraid of it mm. because I I studied a couple of years or a year and a half mathematics so I was not afraid of numbers mm. and I always say this to students because many people have asked over the years hey Carlos where did you learn to 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 code and the the first thing I told them is the most important thing is to not be to not be afraid of it, mm. because many m most people, if you see uh, you know these lines of code, if I open right now my my app project here in my desktop and show you the lines of code, m many people will be like impressed or amazed or this guy is a genius. This is impossible. You have to be uh, a guy with a very high IQ to be able to do that, and that's simply not true. Mm. It's like learning a new language. Mm -hmm. If you know zero about the Japanese and you read a Japanese book, it will look like something impossible for you. Mm -hmm. But you just need to take one step and then on the next one and the next one and be consistent. Mm. What was the, along that lines, what was your biggest challenge in this process? What was the thing that really challenged you when you in doing it? Quick break here. We'll be back with our guest in just a moment. Okay, I'm going to keep this one simple. I mean, if you're looking for equipment to fill your facility that's brand new and you want to deck it out with the best in the business or you need somebody to help you decide what to put in your facility and organize it, structure it, or you just want to build a home gym or a home facility, or you need a specific piece of equipment to, to serve a specific 
uh, purpose in your human performance system. Matrixfitness.com has an answer for you. And the people there are into making sure that you get what you need, that you are served, and that effectively your problem is solved. So it's easy. If you've got a problem or an issue or something you need to get, uh, then it comes to serving the human performance needs of your clients or yourself, head over to matrixfitness.com today and check out what they have. You won't be disappointed. If you're looking for a roadmap of how to bring the skills, techniques, approaches, concepts of therapeutic practice together with the methodological systems, principles, and exercise strategies of performance practice, Neuroreconditioning is the way to go. Neuroreconditioning brings together all of these things under the umbrella of the governing system of the body, the neurological system, and make sure you understand where to tactically and technically bring all of those systems and practices together in the most powerful way. Reconditioning is the only system we know of that brings all of these things together under a neurological uh, profile, and we believe that this is the next wave in human performance. So if you want to up your game and be the best in the business at what you do and really take care of your clients to the best of your ability, then get involved in the reconditioninghq.com revolution today. Head over to reconditioninghq.com. Check out the courses that we're delivering. You can do R1 Foundations and R2 Designs all online. There are live uh, lab sessions that we're building uh, on a regular basis as well. There really is an opportunity for any way you want to learn out there. Uh, and you can learn at your pace uh, when it's convenient to you and how you would like. So check out our courses today, reconditioninghq.com, and change the way you practice in a really powerful way. Hey, if you're liking the podcast, head over to lymlab.com. You can get all the latest episodes there. Check out what we've been doing and what we've been up to. If you want to get a Leave Your Mark cap, that's the place to go. Uh, They are beautiful, and you can get one in black or you can get one in gray, and there will be more coming in the future. You can also check out what we're doing with our LYM Life Lab. There are two free DLs there that you can take home and check out to maybe help you recenter yourself and focus on how you want to manage change. And you can also become uh, a member of our mailing list and receive weekly uh, reminders of the next podcast that's out. So do us a favor, check it out. Take some time to get onto your latest streaming service and rate and share the podcast. Take care. We're back. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, actually, my biggest challenge was not in the process of doing it, but after releasing it. Mm. Because yeah, because I was like a, a young PhD student with all that, you know, uh, you know. I was very happy with the app and was proud of it and wanted to share with my old, uh, oldest uh, uh, teachers and the people I I respected a lot and uh, that I learned a lot from them and things like that. And then I realized that 
most of the, these people were not really open to this kind of of change be, mm. because it it kind of um, was in conflict with what many people were doing. Mm. Uh, some people felt like you know attacked by this mm. kind of new technology mm. because the whole idea of of my apps is to have a very simple way to measure performance with nothing more than your phone and a mm. few clicks on a screen. And for example, some biomechanics uh, teachers didn't love that because for them, biomechanics is something very complicated that mm. you can only do if you have a high education and a PhD, etc. And And now you see that you pick up your phone and you record a video and you have measures of force, power, velocity, they didn't like that much. So <laughs> started <laughs> so they so some people started, you know, throwing uh sorry for the for the word, no, but throwing mm. shit to the app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This app this app is is not valid. Then we publish a, a validation study versus a force platform proving the complete opposite. And uh, this app is not professional. You don't you don't look look professional if you go to a elite club and you start recording with your phone instead um, with a force platform and things mm. like that. Mm. So at the, at the beginning, I was just a student. Nobody, you know, knew me. Mm-hmm. So I started to push the app through some kind of relevant people, but relevant people started closing the the doors you know mm-hmm. so at the at the beginning it was a bit difficult to 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 let people know that you could do things differently and by the way i don't i don't mean that professional equipment or force platforms or complex biomechanics is not useful mm-hmm. of course not because among other things, I am a biomechanics professor at the university, and I teach all these things. Right. But I'm also aware that a lot of coaches and physios and athletes around the world don't have this kind of education mm-hmm. or this kind of device, but they want to improve their, their performance. I and why why can't they uh, do that? Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. Oh. It's interesting. I, I don't know if you've read the book by Adam Grant called The Originals yet uh, in your life, no. but I would suggest reading that. Because yeah, okay. uh, Adam, Adam goes into a lot of, you know, a, a, the originals basically about people who were unique innovators in their genre or space and, and what they did and what they went through. And there's always this kind of uh, pushback, you know, on people who are creating new things, new paradigms, because it, 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 it creates sort of almost an earthquake for some people in their space, in their life on mm-hmm. what they expected could be done or couldn't be done. So there's always this early pushback on those kinds of things. So it's interesting to hear you, you know, expo- expose that. And um, so when I first meet you, Obviously, you know, you've made an impression on some people. How did how did you end up meeting David and why did David invite you over to Philadelphia to start talking about what you were doing with your app and sort of what's the trajectory there at that point? To, to be honest, I'm not 
completely sure how 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 David <laughs> knew about me. I actually believe it's about uh, Twitter. Okay. Because in Twitter, I I share, you know, my my work and my apps, and at that time they were kind of popular. Not not very popular like maybe today. Well, it's not like it's the Facebook app, you know. But right. in the sports science field, it's kind of popular. And uh, may, yeah, it it was maybe by social media because I, uh, well, of course I I knew who David Martin was, right? Mm-hmm. So when I received an email from Sixers, hey Carlos, <laughs> would you would you want to come to Philadelphia to this summit? It was. I don't know. I Where's don't have words. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't have words to describe. You know that that feeling because it was like the big league. My mm-hmm. first, my first, you know, thought was, why on earth on the NBA they want to learn about my apps if mm-hmm. they have all the money in the world, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but uh, until these days, I have seen this pattern in many elite clubs. Mm-hmm. And I I love that, I love that because even in in elite uh, environments, you see that many people is not, you know, it's not crazy about the sports technology. And I love mm-hmm. sports technology, but the sports technology field can be madness mm-hmm. because every company and every you know evangelist in sports technology etc. Uh, is trying to to sell that their device is the best one because it has more processing power or artificial intelligence or more more kilohertz and technical stuff. But you see that many people in elite organization still have their priorities very strict, and mm-hmm. that keeping things simple is probably the the best the best approach. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you have all these kind of platforms that, of course, they are using, maybe for some travels and for some trips, it's easier to not carry your entire system with mm-hmm. all your timing gates and force platforms, etc., and just uh, bring your phone. So, what's, what's been um, an unexpected outcome of creating the this software on the phone that you didn't even recognize it would be able to do like from, from having created this, somebody's used it or you've used it and you're like, wow, I didn't even realize that I would be able to do this with this. Uh, has there been that sort of moment for you with the software in some ways? Yeah. I, I think that that feeling was um, what, what I felt with that email from the Sixers and from other elite clubs that, I never thought that they were going to be interested in the app because mm. from the first time my my app was designed with the intention to help people basically with no money. Mm. Um, and when I see people with a lot of resources using it, um, you know, it's very comforting because that was not my intention. Of course, mm. I love to I love the app to be used by by everyone, but they were not my target. I never thought that elite sports and elite athletes would use any of my apps. But for example, um, during the pandemic, the the apps kind of, you know, grow grew up um, like I wouldn't say exponentially because it it wasn't really exponentially, but 
it was a you know a, a strong uh, uh, increase in the numbers of downloads etc because many athletes were locked down you know and they couldn't go to the training center but they all had their phones at home so mm -hmm. the coach will say hey record a video of yourself doing this kind of jump or this kind of lift or this kind of whatever and send it to me mm. and then I will analyze at home. So, so it was a, an unexpected way of people mm. using the app. And I, I know that probably most of my current users are using the app for online training or online coaching. Mm. Very cool. So as you're going through this, you know, career of, of sports science and playing with your applications, you obviously uh, fall in love with a lady that you've now had three kids with. So wh where do you meet your wife and, and how does she become a part of your, uh, your journey? Look, this is another of the reasons I, I still have this, this love for, for karate and for strength training. Even if I, don't practice karate and strength training in that gym since a long time. I, I do strength training and things like that in, in another places, in another gyms. But I have a, a good memory of that, of that era because that's where I met my, my wife mm. in that exact gym. I was doing karate with, you know, me, with my karategi and she was in the, in the class uh, next door doing some aerobics and and things like that so i i met her um in 2000 2007 mm. so 15 years ago and we married in 13 and our first kid uh, was born in 16 mm. so yeah yeah, so you guys were you were together for quite a while before you decided to have children. Was yeah. uh, was that intentional that you waited, or and did you like did you not want to have kids earlier when you were younger, or is it uh, no? Like, yeah, what was your your contemplation around that? Yeah, we always wanted to to have kids, but uh, when we met uh, first, we were very young, mm. uh, like twenty years old, mm. and she was uh, at uh, medical school. And she studied a lot, still does, <laughs> but she needed, you know, to to study to study a lot. I was figuring out my my place in the world because I was basically uh, living with my parents and starting to to do this sports science uh, thing, which was giving me no money. <laughs> and <laughs> So so yeah, when we decided to to move together, it was like in when we were twenty four or twenty five years old. Okay. She was the only one working. Mm. I was uh, at home doing my my things with with my first uh, papers, and then when I started trying to figure out how on earth you could write an app for the iPhone, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I, I actually feel very proud of, of that time um, because it's, it's, it's difficult to accept that role, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, I, I'm not uh, providing anything to my home other than, you know, other than care and love, 
but I'm providing no money. So I'm not contributing at all. She's mm -hmm. doing all the hard work mm -hmm. and paying the bills. But um, but yes, she, she was very supportive. And when I started to 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 make a, a little money with my work at the university, basically I started working at the university teaching like one year before creating the apps. Mm -hmm. So it was a part-time job at the university, not a lot of uh, money, but well, we we have, you know, this kind of environment to be able to okay, let's let's do the the big the big let's take the the big step, you know, mm -hmm. and and get married and and have kids and things mm -hmm. like that. So she's a doctor? Yeah, yes yeah, she is. Oh, cool. Okay. She's so, a gastroenterologist. Oh wow, very cool. Mm. So as you are starting to um make a living in the industry and you start to go into teaching, what attracts you to to teaching? What do you like about teaching or um empowering others with information? Well, I I basically want to give people what others gave to me mm. in the past, mm -hmm. you know? I I learned from very good teachers, both in academics and in in sports, like my karate teacher. Mm -hmm. So I I wanted to be part of that teaching learning process. Mm -hmm. So it's still a thing of of passion, if you say. Mm -hmm. uh, because to be honest, I'm making much more money from my apps than from mm, teaching. Wow. Which is not actually that hard because they pay <laughs> a very little at the universe <laughs> at the university. <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, that's 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 the way. Uh, that's that's the reason why I I didn't uh, leave teaching, and I plan to to never leave it because I I love it. Why is it called the autonomous university? Is that because it's um, people t people learn sort of differently than a normal university situation, or is that what's the use use of the word autonomous? Yeah, it's uh, Universidad Autónoma de Madrid, Autonomous University of Madrid. Okay. So, so I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I I have to be completely honest with you. I don't know <laughs> because it's it's a public it's a public university here in Madrid. So. Okay. It's actually not autonomous because it depends. <laughs> it, it it completely depends on the the state on okay. Spain, so it's not <laughs> autonomous. But but yeah, maybe it's it's probably maybe because they have a strong, um, you know, uh, program in in education and pedagogy and and psychology and this kind of behavioral science uh, side of it and. You know, they want to help people to be autonomous with their lives and to have critical right. thinking and things like that. And I don't know, maybe that's the the reason gotcha. of the naming. Interesting. Cool. So I'm going to read you your, your purpose from my little book, The Day You Were Born. You're July 31st, you said. So yeah. July 31st, your birthday. Yeah. So yeah, you're a absolutely. Leo. You're a Leo for Leo. my daughter. My daughter's yeah. a Leo, the lion. There you go. Yeah. My, my, my latest kid, you know, my, my, my newborn mm -hmm. is named Leo. 
He's Leo. a boy. He's oh, named cool. Leo. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So your purpose is to use your versatility and your catalytic nature to separate from security and manifest your dreams in the world, to change the lives of all you meet, to change the world through your ideas, actions, and unique ability to destroy and rebuild within the system. Men can starve from a lack of self-realization as much as they can from a lack of bread. Richard Wright, native son. The Sun 4 dynamic brings the power to shatter opposition through the incredible ability to use whatever is available. Life seems like a series of uncontrollable events. Leo 4s love dodging debris. They are attracted to tension and chaos. If it's not available, they know how to create it. They are catalysts and the center of other people's lives, either through their quiet courage or their outspoken individualism. They give others strength and insight. Struggle and discipline have toughened the Leo 4. In fact, this dynamic is so strong it can be dangerous if it's handled improperly. Without sensitivity and a desire to contribute something to mankind, Leo 4s can be hard, cruel, and cold, believing they have all the answers to their lives or yours. Their ingenious approach to life makes them inventors. They create what they need as they go along. Leo Fours must not forget that boundaries help accomplish goals. They must embrace discipline, and when faced with impossible odds, they should tackle the little stuff first. They'll be stronger when a few obstacles are out of their way. The roller coaster of life will always be there. Leo Fours should know that the ups and downs teach them just how good they are when the adrenaline is flowing. Wow. Powerful. Sounds, sounds a little yeah. bit like you, actually. Inventors. There you go. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. Okay, I have to ask my Spanish question at the end here. So, what is it with you guys and vegetables? Like, when I went over to the few times <laughs> I've gone to Spain, it's like vegetables don't exist. It's all like meat and stuff that everybody eats all the time. So, <laughs> am I? Did I get the wrong the wrong note in the in the mail or something? But when I when I've been there, you have these beautiful markets. You have these beautiful spaces where everybody goes for their 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 appetizer kind of drink in the evening, and it's wonderful. But it's all like meats. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah, what happened to vegetables in Spain? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, it's true. There, there, there are actually some studies about Mediterranean diet not being Mediterranean anymore. <laughs> so, so it's true. It's true. And and yeah, our, our country is, is very well known about about our gastronomy. Yeah. But uh, and we have uh, a lot of chefs worldwide, etc. But. Um, unfortunately, it's not that common to be people consuming vegetables and more more healthy and sustainable foods. So, so yeah, that's 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 a problem, and, and we try to not do that here at home. Um, but but yeah, we we love we love meat. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> How is looking at that? You grow up in Spain. What's what's your first? Um external uh influence like when when do you first travel and how uh, how does that change you when you first travel in your life where do you go well my my, my mom is always um you know la, like mad with me because mm. he's always telling me that i have no memory because <laughs> she 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 tells me for, for example look carlos do you remember when you and i did that uh, when you were five or when you were ten, I say, "Sorry, no, no, mama." <laughs> and and she always tell me, "I don't know why I took to, I took you to those places if you were never going to remember when you were, you know, older." 
And we traveled a lot when we were kids. Mm. And since we were very little, uh, for example, we took a car when we were like, I'm the, the oldest one. Mm. Uh, I, I think I was 10 years old and my brother uh, eight. And we took a car from Madrid and went uh, to Munich in Germany. Mm. A lot of kilometers on on the road. And uh, yeah, I think I remember, maybe my, my mind will say differently, but I think that was my first my first uh, international travel. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, I think that that was it. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, it's funny for the listeners. I think that's, I, I now have a 14 year old and she can't remember anything we did bef- before like <laughs> eight or nine years old. So if you think yeah. you're, 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 um, making your kid uh, well rounded by traveling them all over the world when they're three, four, five years old, don't. <laughs> <laughs> they won't remember anything, but like we've well, taken her, I think, to Disney three times, but she has no recollection of Disney. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I like to think that something is in 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 there, you know, deep down, but something is is in there. Exactly. When you when you went to Philadelphia, like what what impacted you about that event and meeting the other people there that that uh, maybe inspired you when you went home. Yeah, it, basically, it it gave me the um, probably the confidence because that, mm. because I I want to be um, you know or or I try to be a, a a humble person and to have my feet on earth mm. because when now in the in the last few years with things are getting out of hands a bit with with my apps etc. I think uh, it's important to to remember where are you from and and what you needed to do back in the day and the the money you earned or mm-hmm. and the things you did and um, yeah I I never thought that I could sit in the table with David Martin and Louis Bork, mm-hmm. Sona Halson, Aaron mm-hmm. Cotts and all of you guys. So I was basically the youngest in the room, mm-hmm. and and yeah, I think it it kind of gave me that that confidence of okay, if I work hard and I keep doing this thing, uh, maybe I can be one of of those guys. Mm-hmm. So I think that was my my most important uh, thing I took from that uh, summit. That's awesome. What's your biggest message to the students that you uh, teach today? Um, like, obviously, being somebody who's tried things and done things that maybe you didn't expect you could, what do you try to to bring that message across to your students, like that they can do anything they want to do? Yeah, absolutely, and that uh, it's really important to do to do the things that you love, mm-hmm. not the things that you think that will give you more money mm. and i that's that's something i i focus on specifically because especially the last couple of years i i see many students very worried about being the you know the next uh, instagram influencer and mm. have a lot of followers and earn a lot of money by sponsors and and things like that and it starts 
to you know to to try to build their their virtual personality mm. and to grow the number of followers and things like that before enjoying the the, the process mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i i think that one of the most repeated things i tell the student is to try to do the things they love not the mm. things that I, they think they, that will give them more more money or more you know financial stability or whatever you think mm. that's a great message what's what's the future for you right now what's what are you most excited about in in front of you that you're doing now you mean with my apps your apps your life what do, where where where's Carlos's mission going now uh, as you look forward for your career your life yeah that's that's a, a a deep question my my main mission is to take care of uh, my kids mm-hmm. and to make them uh, you know happy and and, and free persons mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing uh, for me and and what takes all my energy because mm. everything I'm doing with with teaching and with the apps etc uh, ultimately comes down to to being able to 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 be free mm. to help my kids to to be to be free as well mm. I'm I'm lucky enough to 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 feel myself free if mm. you know what I mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you know I don't have a boss uh, I don't have to, you know, to prove things at the university of or my head of my department, because if I leave my university tomorrow, I can still live well mm-hmm. with uh, with with my apps, yeah. and I I'm very I I feel extremely lucky and grateful for that mm-hmm. because I I think that and and I know that that it's not something easy to to achieve that people around the world is having a hard time especially lately you know Mm -hmm. with recent events and and i think that my 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 main goal in in life is to try to to make my kids have a similar life that the one i had Mm. with a very happy childhood Mm. with uh, good caring parents that are at home and not until 10 p.m. working and to, you know, to to be able to work in whatever they want, whatever they want to be. That's beautiful. What's the biggest gift that your children have given you? Mm, Daily daily joy. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daily joy. Uh, I, I always think something like um i'm i'm free but on the other side i'm never free mm. because because <laughs> i'm always attached to them mm-hmm. there is something a little problem to solve uh people there, there is always someone at home basically crying <laughs> for something <laughs> for something so yeah but but the but the greatest thing the greatest thing is that a uh, uh, second after that um, that yell of that uh, that cry 
uh, it comes a, a hug or a kiss or a laugh. So that's 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 quite something. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's awesome. That's the perfect way to finish, sir. We've been sixty minutes together. It's been uh, yeah. really cool to cool to talk to you again and reconnect. And hopefully that won't be the last time we reconnect. And thanks for yeah. taking taking an hour of your day and spending it with me. No, absolutely, Scott. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Well, you have a great day. No, you have a great day too. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today, and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story, taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de Saint-Rome.